Merry Christmas. Turn to your neighbor and tell him Merry Christmas. Feels good to say that, doesn't it? It is the Christmas season. It's not just happy holidays. It is Merry Christmas because it's about Jesus. Amen. Well, welcome. Uh, thank you for being here this morning. I, I want to start off, first of all, just by saying thank you because last week we launched our Adopt an Ohana campaign, uh, which was ambitious. We wanted to adopt 1,000, uh, 1,100 individuals. And uh, I want to say in one weekend, you knocked it out. Like we adopted all of them in one weekend. Amen. Give yourselves a hand for your generosity. Uh, so much so that there are others who said, hey, can, can we help these other families? And so we actually have 50 more families from Lahaina uh, that are to be adopted. So if you want to do that, you can go outside to our adopt a Hano table outside and, and do that. Because, you know, we're called to be a blessing to our community. Amen. And the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't just uh, uh, emotions or words. It's, it's action. And we want to share the love of God in, in as many ways as possible. So thank you for being generous. And if you, you haven't been able to participate yet, you can as well. And also, uh, which will make a total of 400 Lahaina families, by the way. We have 50 more outside that need to be adopted on top of the families in our community that we're helping as well. Uh, this Saturday, we have, uh, we're partnering with our church, Grace Bible Maui, uh, to do a uh, Christmas gift distribution in Lahaina. Um, and over the, over the course of the year since the disaster happened, our church on Maui has been, has been blessing and serving 409 families uh, that have been affected by the fires. And this weekend, this Saturday, uh, they're anticipating about 1,500 to 1,800 people in Lahaina are going to come out for a gift distribution. They're like making pancakes and a bunch of games and other ways to bless these families. And they're anticipating 899 kids. And I just want to say thank you because they're, they're able to do that because of your generosity throughout the year. Your giving has enabled our church on Maui to be able to serve these families. And this is yet another way that we can do that. So give yourselves a hand again for being a generous, generous church. Thank you. Thank you. We're called to share the love of God in as many ways as possible. Um, well, this morning we are uh, continuing our series, uh, The Arrival, talking about what, what, what does it mean for Jesus Christ to come? What, what did he come for? Uh, the title of my message this morning is simple. It's peace. Jesus came to bring peace to the world. And I want to open up with this passage in John chapter 14, starting in verse 27. And it speaks about the peace that Jesus came to give or comes to give to every single one of us. John 14, starting in verse 27. Peace I leave with you, he said. My peace I give to you. I do not give peace to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I want to read that again. Peace I leave with you, Jesus said. My peace I give to you. I do not give peace to you as the world does. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Can we pray this morning? Father, we thank you for your word and the gift of peace that you came to give to every single one of us. We open up our hearts to you this morning that you may speak to us, that in the areas of our lives where we lack peace, maybe there's anxiety, worry, fear, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will show us this morning what your peace is and how we can walk in it. Pray this today in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Um, one of the things that the arrival of Christ was to bring into the world was this thing called peace. You know, during Christmas time, you see the word peace in different places. You know, in supermarkets, sometimes it's up there. Or I was driving by an apartment building in town, and, and they had this, this, you know, lighted sign that said peace, you know. And you just see that during this season uh, of Christmas because it's what Christ came to do. He came to bring peace to the world. But oftentimes we misunderstand what the nature of biblical peace is because we think that peace is the absence of conflict, right? The absence of war, the absence of strife or, or trial. And it certainly is that, but it's not only that. Biblical peace is actually the sense that everything is okay. We are right with God 
And there is a sense of okayness in our soul, even in the midst of conflict. See, the world says peace only comes when there is no conflict. But the Bible says you can have peace even in the middle of conflict. You can have peace even in the middle of trial. And this is important because as, as long as we live in these bodies on this earth, we're going to deal with conflict. We're going to deal with trials. And if we're waiting for all of our trials to be gone to have peace, then we're never going to have peace. We're going to be on meds forever. You know what I'm talking about? Because there's never going to be the absence of conflict in this world. But the Bible's promise, Jesus' promise, is even in the midst of all of that, you can still have peace. You can still live a life of joy and peace and hope that, and with a sense that everything is okay, even while things are going crazy all around us. How many think that's good news? I think that's good news. There is a time where Jesus says, I will bring complete peace to the world, and there will be no more conflict. That's when he comes back. That hasn't happened yet. But between now and then, we can still live with peace in the middle of conflict. And I want to show us a little bit of what Scripture says about that. And that's our hope as a church. We want people to experience the peace that is in Jesus Christ. In the middle of sickness, in the middle of trials, in the middle of relational strife, you can still have peace. Which, by the way, as we'll talk about towards the end, we have our Christmas services coming up in a couple weeks. Just a quick plug on that. Uh, we are adding services. We're going to have six services on, on Christmas Eve, which is on Sunday. Um, we're going to have four in the morning. And the reason why we're doing that is because we're nuts. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're nuts about God. <laughs> no. <laughs> the reason why we're doing that is because we want to make sure that there's enough space for us to invite our friends and our guests to experience the peace in Christ. As you can tell, this 915 service is already pretty packed. And if each of you brought a friend, um, they'll be sitting outside in the parking lot. And we don't want that. Amen. And so we're going to create space by creating more services so that you can be confident that there's space here. That when you invite your guests, they're going to have a good experience here at Pearlside and experience the peace of God. That's our prayer and that's our hope. Amen. So you can already start making a mental note which service you're going to come to. I'll be at all of them. So, you know, we'll see you there. But here's the main thing. It's not just for us to come and experience God. It's about us thinking, okay, how can I invite someone in my life who may be walking through a difficult season so that they can walk out of here knowing that God loves them too, that they can have peace with God as well. Amen. It's, it's, why, it's why we exist, to not just experience his peace, but also to give it away. And this is so important because experts say that during the holiday season, depression, anxiety, substance abuse, and even suicides go up. Why is that? Well, it's stressful times, family pressures and all that, whatever. But nonetheless, I think God is calling his church to slow down and be present for people, to give peace away during this season. Can I hear an amen? <clears throat> so how do we experience God's peace such that we can give it away? Well, there's a story in the Bible that I think will help us to illustrate this because the circumstances surrounding Jesus' birth was anything but peaceful. You realize that? You all remember that song? Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Clearly that person was never at a childbirth because there is nothing silent about a childbirth. There is nothing peaceful about a childbirth. I was at all three of my kids' births. It was not a silent night. There was yelling, there was groaning, and then there was my wife. You know? so, that was a joke. Amen. All right. Because <clears throat> I was yelling and groaning too. It was, yeah. What do they call it? Sympathetic pains or whatever? Yeah. I was sympathetically in pain. Amen. But let's look at the circumstances surrounding Jesus' birth, and we see that there is trial and strife even around the birth of Jesus. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. <clears throat> in those days, it says, Caesar Augustus issued a, a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. The Romans occupied the region of Judea where the Israelites were and required that they all register in their own town. That's what this census was about. Verse 4, 
So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And when she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. The circumstances surrounding the arrival of Christ who came to bring peace was anything but peaceful. And these events, I think, reveal some significant truths to all of us that we can apply in our lives as we walk through seasons of trial as well. First of all is this up on screen. The journey of life often takes us into challenging situations. The journey of life often takes us into challenging situations. Have you noticed? I'm sure in all of our lives, we've had numerous challenging situations come up as we've journeyed through life. And even the birth of Jesus, the Son of God, was surrounded by these challenges. Mary and Joseph had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem because the Romans required them to do so. It wasn't their decision. They weren't going on a holiday to visit Mary's par uh, Joseph's parents, all right? They were required to do so while she was pregnant. Some experts say eight to nine months pregnant. Now, those of you women who remember being eight to nine months pregnant, that was not a comfortable time in your life, was it not? It was quite dramatic, quite painful, quite uncomfortable. And she had to travel approximately 100 miles by foot and or on the back of a donkey while being nine months pregnant. How many of you would sign up for that? Sure, no problem. That sounds like a vacation. No. I remember when my wife was pregnant with, with our, first, our firstborn, she was, she was so uncomfortable that car rides would make her sick. By the way, it's my wife's birthday today. Happy birthday, honey. I love you. It's over there. Um, she, she's going to say, why'd you say that? Why'd you tell everybody that? I know, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to take her out to dinner tonight. I'll make up for it. Anyway, um, but um, I remember when she would ride in the car, she'd get sick. She'd be like, can you slow down? Because and, and we kind of joke about this, but our neighbors would know that we were home because they would hear her like throwing up in the bushes. <laughs> They'd be like, oh, we knew you were home because we heard. <laughs> because when you're pregnant, it's uncomfortable. Amen. It's hard. And even the car rides for her would make her sick. I remember one time we went to eat yakiniku. She's not going to appreciate this story either. But we got this, these leftovers and it was in this takeout bag. And, and by the time we got home, let's just say we had to throw the takeout bag away. Because it wasn't just Yakiniku in there. Well, I suppose it was, but mixed. Anyway, some of you didn't get that. You'll, you'll get it later. On the ride home, you'll be like, ah, ha, ha, ugh. Anyway, but you're so uncomfortable in this moment. I can't imagine being married now, having to travel 100 miles on donkey back, which would have taken anywhere from 7 to 10 days. Can you imagine? <laughs> Joseph, slow down. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then feeling like, what's going on? God, this is your child. You told me, you're right? The angel, you know, the whole deal. And, and this, is, this is the Messiah. Like, seriously, couldn't you send like a flying chariot or something, you know, and, and gold encrusted and lay me in a nice hotel with a nice bed and a golden toilet? I mean, this is your son, God. And here we are now through no fault of our own, through no choice of our own, having to journey a hundred miles, having to camp in the wilderness where there's wild animals and it's cold. It was around the wintertime having to light a fire for seven to ten days. How do we end up here? Ever felt in a situation like that? God, I thought I was walking with you. I thought I was in your will. Why are we going through this? We touched on this a little bit last week. You feel completely out of control. They had no control over this situation. They had no choice in the matter. And, and they find themselves in this very difficult, challenging situation. All of us throughout life are going to face, unfortunately, numerous seasons like that. 
where we find ourselves in an uncontrolled, uncontrollable situation where we can't decide, we can't change the circumstances surrounding our, 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 our situations and circumstances. Ever felt like that? Maybe some of you are in that situation right now. And you're saying, God, where are you? Why are we going through this? Why am I having to go through this season and this, and this journey the way that we're going through it? All of us are going to have to go through that. But here is a perspective that I believe that God wants us to have that will bring peace even while we walk through different seasons of life like this. Often these situations lead us into the will of God. Often these situations that seem out of control, that seem chaotic, that seem purposeless are leading us into the will of God. Again, with Mary and Joseph, I can't imagine how they must have been feeling. Why are we having to go through this to register for these Romans, these oppressors? Why are we doing this? But what they didn't realize, they probably didn't realize, was they were heading exactly where God needed them to be. You see, because 750 years prior to this event, the prophet Micah wrote about the birth of the Messiah. And he wrote this in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It says, But you, Bethlehem, Epaphrata, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. See, what Mary and Joseph probably didn't realize while they were going through that was that trial that they were facing was leading them exactly where God needed them to be. Because the Messiah was supposed to be born, not in Nazareth, but in Bethlehem. He had to be born in Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph had to engage in that journey so that their son, the Messiah, would be born in Bethlehem. And sometimes we don't realize that the storms that we're walking through, the trials that we have to walk through in the road of life, might be leading us exactly where we need to be. It might be taking us down the path that we need to walk down in order to get to where God wants us to get to so that we can fulfill his purpose for our lives. And often we don't recognize that. We just see it as a trial. Again, I imagine Mary on that donkey going, this sucks, God, where are you? Why are we going through this? And Joseph going, I thought it was the son of God. What the heck is going on? Towing all of this along the way, but they didn't realize that that's where they needed to end up. Maybe some of you are walking through a trial right now or are walking through a difficult season. Could God be leading you exactly where you need to be to do exactly what he's called you to do? Many of us over the course of our lives, we, when we're going through something, we, we can't see that perspective, right? It just, it stinks. It sucks when you're going through a hard time. But any of you ever said when you look back later on, I'm actually glad I went through that because of the things that I've learned. I wouldn't be the person that I am today. I wouldn't have the opportunities that I have today or whatever if I didn't go through that. See, hindsight is 20-20. When we look back, we can see it. And if you've lived a while with God, you realize that God loves to take the situations that seem chaotic and out of control and turn them for the good. In fact, the scripture teaches that, that what the enemy intends for evil, God will use for good. And after you've gone through a few rounds of those, you build up a little confidence in your life. But when you're in it in the, in the moment, it that sure doesn't feel like that. It's sure hard to see the forest from the trees, as they say, or the light at the end of the tunnel. But I want to encourage some of you today, because some of us are walking through difficult seasons. God might be leading you exactly where he needs you to be. And he needed Mary and Joseph to be in Bethlehem to fulfill his word. And maybe that's what's happening in, in, our, in our journey right now. That trial, that thing that is just hard to go through. Maybe God is going to, not maybe, if you walk with him, God is going to use that for the good if you will trust in him. And, I, and this is important because just because you're facing a trial, it doesn't mean you're outside of the will of God. That's important. Because sometimes as we walk through life, as we talked about last week, we have the expectation that if I'm walking with God, I'm never going to face a trial, right? Unfortunately, the Bible does not promise that. And sometimes we can feel like if things aren't going the way that I want it to go, maybe God's abandoned me, he's forgotten about me, or maybe there is no God. When the Bible actually teaches that 
as you're walking with him, you're still gonna face trials. And so the trial that you're facing is not indicative that you're out of the will of God. It might mean that you're in the will of God and this is just par for the course. Going back to the example of childbirth, we all know that when you go through childbirth, it's gonna be uncomfortable. It's gonna be painful, right? And for those of you that are younger and you haven't thought that through yet, it's uncomfortable and it's painful. And so when you go through it, you expected it. I knew it was going to be hard. Maybe you're like, I didn't know it was going to be this bad, but you expect it. So it's not something foreign. Similarly, the journey of faith and walking with God is going to face challenges like that. It's going to face trials so that when you encounter it, you know that I, I, I should expect it. I should expect on the journey of faith, I'm going to face obstacles and challenges. And this is important because if we think that something, something is going wrong, then we might run from God rather than run to God. We might turn away from him and his word rather than turn to him and his word, as we'll see, which is the solution to the challenges that we're facing. As we walk with him, we're going to face different challenges. Now, I do want to be clear about this. Our challenges are often the result of three different things. Okay? As I said, first of all, it could be part of God's plan to lead you to where you need to be to do what he's called you to do, right? Mary and Joseph, it was part of God's plan for them to end up in Bethlehem. So sometimes it's God's plan that we walk through certain things to develop certain things in our character and to get us where we need to be. You all follow that, right? But it's not always necessarily God's plan. Sometimes the challenges that we face are the result of our own bad decisions. Somebody should say amen to that. You know, amen, because I made some. Amen. I, use this, I, I say this example every now and then that if you rob a bank and you wind up in jail, that wasn't part of God's plan, okay? So you shouldn't shake your fist at God. God, why'd you do this to me? Brother, you did that when you put on that ski mask and walked into that bank, okay? That's on you, okay? Don't blame, don't shake your fist at God and don't think that this is part of God's plan. God wanted me in jail. No, no, no. You broke the law. You did that to yourself. And sometimes in our own bad decisions, we find ourselves in circumstances that are less than favorable. When we reject God and his word, we're gonna deal with things that the Bible says you're gonna deal with if you sin. So we can't blame God nor say, well, I guess God wanted me to go through this. No, that was sin. But so that's two. So number one, it could be God's plan. But number two, it's our own bad decision. But number three, the attack of the enemy, because sometimes the enemy comes to thwart the will of God in your life. And sometimes the challenges that we're facing is the enemy trying to stop you from pursuing the will of God and walking in the will of God. So it could be one of those three things. Either way, the solution is the same. Because if we trust in Jesus, God will take what the enemy intends for evil and he will turn it for the good. He will take even your bad decision that got you in jail from robbing a bank. He will use that for good if you turn to him. Now, he's not going to necessarily get you out of jail that you got to walk through that, but he will turn that around for the good. He will also turn the attacks of the enemy around for the good, as we'll see in just a moment with this example. But either way, whatever the cause of our challenges are, the solution is the same, to trust and follow Jesus, because he will take those things and use them for good. But maybe you're here today and you're walking through a challenging situation. You found yourself in this challenging situation. Maybe it's of no fault of your own. You didn't do anything wrong. You've been trying to pursue God your whole life, and you find yourself here. Don't assume that you're out of the will of God. It might be God leading you exactly where he wants you to be, to fulfill his will for your life. A great example of this, one of my favorite examples, and I last, I last shared this back in 2014, so, you know, every 10 years, it's good to pull this story out, but uh, there was an American doctor by the name of Kent Brantley. In October 2013, Dr. Brantley and his family moved uh, from the United States to the nation of Liberia in West Africa to serve the people with the love of Jesus uh, with the humanitarian organization Samaritan's Purse, and uh, they went there 
to share the love of God through doing medical missions, by providing medical services to serve the people and to love them uh, and, and all that. Well, in 2014, the Ebola virus was spreading throughout Africa and was headed straight towards them. And if you know anything about the Ebola virus, it's a terrible, terrible virus that has about a 50 to 90% mortality rate. If you catch Ebola, it's very likely you're going to die. But it's also extremely likely or, or almost guaranteed that you're going to suffer tremendously because it caused the blood, the blood vessels uh, to, to pop and different things in your body. It was a terrible, terrible disease. And so Dr. Brantley and his family had a choice. Do we stay in Africa while we know the Ebola virus is heading towards us or do we leave? And so he was asked, well, they decided to stay. So he was asked by an interviewer, why didn't you leave when you knew that this deadly threat was headed your way? And this is what he said. He said, we went to Africa to serve the people with the love of Jesus. And Ebola didn't change that purpose. It heightened it. We came here to love people. And Ebola is not going to change that. We're going to love people even with the Ebola virus. I love that. I love this guy. Well, Dr. Brantley began treating Ebola patients and doing his best to, you know, prevent himself from catching it. But, of course, almost inevitably, he ended up being infected himself. And with a 50 to 90% mortality rate, he knew that he was in a very dire situation. Dr. Brantley was a second American stricken by the disease. And he was offered an experimental serum. But only one dose was available in the whole continent of Africa. Dr. Brantley had a choice to take the serum for himself but instead, he chose to give it to his co-worker, a nurse by the name of Nancy Wrightball, who also contracted the disease. When asked, why did you give your, your one hope of survival away to somebody else? He said this, God is going to deliver me from this. But even if he doesn't, I love that, even if he doesn't, I've lived my life for him and I have no regrets, he told to a close friend, Kent Smith. Dr. Brantley understood his purpose. He knew why he was there. It was to serve and to love other people. And because of his humanitarian work and, and, and his generosity, he was named uh, Times Person of the Year back in 2014. He was miraculously able to be flown back to the United States to receive treatment. And through the treatment of the doctors and, of course, the prayers of thousands, because this story went viral. I remember uh, in, back in 2013 and 14, seeing it all over my social media and praying for him, even while we were going through some stuff. Um, God healed him miraculously beat the odds, and he survived. More interestingly to me than just that is that doctors discovered that Dr. Brantley's blood now had the antibodies against Ebola. Because he himself went through it, his blood now had powerful antibodies. And so they were asking him to give blood transfusions away to other patients because your blood now has healing powers to help others who are going through the very same disease that he survived from. And it, it is, it's hard to estimate how many people, how many lives Dr. Brantley saved with his own blood. But it's, it's, it's in the dozens, if not more. Serums were made and antivirals were made off of his blood. And I think, man, that's a powerful analogy of what we're talking about. Sometimes we have to walk through stuff so that we can help other people on the other side. We have to walk through stuff and go through stuff because there's a purpose that God has for us on the other side of that trial. If Dr. Brantley didn't go through Ebola, almost dying and suffering, his blood would not have the ability to help heal other people. But because he went through that, he now is able to save lives with his own blood. I mean, that's a picture of the gospel right there. Jesus went to the cross so that his blood can cleanse us. Amen. But in our lives, sometimes we have to walk through stuff so that we can give help and healing to other people. You know, we have to walk through that challenge in, your, in our marriages. And we have to get help 
from Jesus so that we can tell other people, hey, there is help for your marriage in Jesus. Amen. We have to walk through. So those of you that have gone through addictions and beat it with the power of the Holy Spirit, you can now tell someone who's walking through an addiction that there's help and healing in Jesus. Amen. Much more powerfully than someone who didn't, like myself. I never walked through an addiction. I, I, I will have a lot less influence over someone than someone who has. Now, does that mean that God caused Dr. Brantley to have Ebola so that his blood could be an antiviral to others? No, I don't think so. I think there's a very real devil that wanted to steal, kill, and destroy his life. Because he knew the mission that Dr. Brantley was on. But God loves to take what the enemy intends for evil and loves to use it for good. Maybe right now you're walking through a trial in your life. And it's hard to see. God, how can you use this for good? This just stinks. This sucks. Keep walking with him. Keep trusting him as we'll talk about. And let the Holy Spirit and his word change and transform you. And then later, maybe later, you'll see how you can be used of God to be a blessing to other people. If I didn't walk through what I went through with my dad, being, in, being a drug dealer, being in jail, I would be a different person today. Now, did, did God allow that to ha- or cause that to happen just so that I could be a pastor and be co- empathetic? No, I don't think so. I think the enemy attacked, but God turned it around for the good. If I didn't walk through what we went through, like I told you all last week about with my son, I would have a lot less compassion. I would not be as good a pastor. Did God cause that to happen just to teach me some lessons? I don't think so. I think the enemy attacked. And God turned it around for good. See, but when we're walking through a season of conflict and trial in our lives, we have to see God has a bigger plan even than what the enemy intends. God has a bigger plan even than what you and I can see. Dr. Brantley walked through this trial and now God is using him. And by the way, in 2019, after a long recovery, Dr. Brantley and his family returned to Africa to continue sharing the love of Jesus through medical missions. In the midst of it all, he stayed faithful and he stayed resilient. How? And that's what I want to leave us with here today. How do we experience peace amid challenging circumstances? All of us are going to walk through them. We're going to walk through it in our own lives, in our health, in our relationships, in our finances. How can we experience the peace of God amid these challenging circumstances? First thing up in your notes and on screen. Peace comes when we trust in the Lord. Peace comes when we trust in the Lord, truly trust in the Lord. The prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 26, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because, because what? They trust in you. Because they trust in you, we will be kept in perfect peace. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself is the rock eternal. God alone is the source of peace, and we need to trust in him. Now, this is important because we don't realize it, but we trust in a lot of other things to give us peace. There's a lot of other things in our lives that we trust in to give us peace. We trust in money. If I just have X, Y, or Z, you know, this amount of money in my bank account, then I will have peace. If I just hit this level of income, then I will have peace because I'll be able to buy what I want, go where I want, do what I want, whatever. We're tr- we don't realize it, but we're trusting in money. We're saying, if I just have this, then I will have peace. Well, those of us that have lived long enough, you realize once you hit that level of income, you realize you want more. (laughs) And now peace comes when I get the next level or hit the next level or hit the next level, right? It's, It's elusive. It's like running on a treadmill. You never really get anywhere except tired, right? If you trust in things that are temporary, but we trust in money to give us peace. We trust in possessions. If I just get that next car or that next house or that next thing, then I will have peace in my life, right? If I get that gift at Christmas time or that new whatever, then I'll have peace. You realize that that's why we have a shopping addiction in this country. 
and there's a billion, multi-billion dollar storage industry where we put all the stuff that we once thought would give us peace, but never doesn't anymore. We put it in storage and we pay other people to store the stuff that we thought would give us peace. Stuff can never give us peace. There's no material thing on this earth that can give us the peace that God is supposed to give to us. We trust in relationships to give us peace. If that person falls in love with me or if I just marry that person or if this just happens in my relationships, then I will have a sense of peace in my life. But the reality is we can't trust in people because they will let us down. And guess what? You will let others down too. Amen? And so anything that is temporary is just that. It's temporary. It can never give us the peace that God alone can give us. And you know what God does? He allows these things to fall apart sometimes so that we realize they were faulty foundations to begin with. He allows our finances to be shaken to realize, man, we can't trust in that. He allows our health and our relationships to be shaken so we realize this is all just temporary, hopefully so that we look up and realize the only true sense of peace is God himself. We have to trust in the Lord not in anything else. He alone is the rock eternal that we are to build our lives on. And maybe you're here today and you're new to this whole church thing and you're going, I don't understand this. It's okay, keep coming back. I didn't understand it the first, the first week either. I was like, what is that guy talking about? I don't know what he's talking about. But as you journey along, you realize, man, God wants to give us this thing called peace. And as was said earlier, it surpasses all understanding. It makes no sense. That even in the middle of the world crashing down around you, you can say, all is right with my soul and I know God is in control just like Dr. Brantley did. But that comes when we trust in the Lord. Well, what does it mean to trust in the Lord? Because trusting in the Lord, that's even a vague kind of conceptual thing, right? Let me make it a little bit more concrete for us. We trust in him when we surrender or by surrendering to Jesus as Lord and by obeying his word. That's what trusting in the Lord means. It means surrendering to Jesus as Lord and obeying his word. Now, I know that's a very difficult thing, but trust me, it's, the scripture, it's what Scripture teaches. Isaiah 48 tells us, and this is a powerful verse. This is what the prophet writes. If only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river. If only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river flowing, unending, gushing in and through and out of your life if you'd obeyed my commands and paid attention to my commands. Instead, when we, if we don't surrender to Jesus as Lord and we live in sin, as we said earlier, sin brings negative consequences. And sometimes the lack of peace that we experience is because we've rejected Jesus as Lord in some area of our lives. Like I said, if you rob a bank and you find yourself in jail, you're not gonna have peace. You did, but we did that, right? We made that decision. If you cheat on your spouse and your marriage is falling apart, you're not gonna have peace. And that, that is the result of our own decisions to not surrender to his word, right? And so there, there, there are things that we do that rob us of our peace. And sometimes we go, well, maybe it's just that small little thing. It's just a small little white lie. It's no big deal. And, you know, God doesn't really care about that. So we just kind of tuck that away. Yeah, but I'm doing good in all these other areas. But this one, yeah, you know, that doesn't really matter. It could be that one area that you think doesn't matter. That's no big deal. That could be robbing you of your peace, because sin will rob you of peace. It will rob us of peace. And it'll keep us up at night. It'll cause us to have anxiety. Because we know at the, deep down at our core, we're not right with God. But I got good news. We can get right with God. Amen? And we can get those things in order and experience his peace. If we don't pay attention to his commands, we'll be robbed of our peace. Don't let one area of your life rob you of your peace. Don't let it. Look at what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, 
and he will make your path straight. So what do we do? We need to surrender to him as, as Lord. And what does that mean? It means that we trust and obey his word. Don't let one area of your life rob you of your peace. And we have to be careful that, we, that Jesus is Lord and Savior. He's not just Savior. And we have to be careful that we don't try to shape Jesus into our image of him, but rather who he actually is. Because there's a lot of people that shape Jesus into the image of Santa Claus. He's like our heavenly Santa Claus. And, you know, he, you know as long as I do more, more good than bad, then I'll be on his nice list and not his naughty list. And he'll shower down blessings on me. Jesus is not a heavenly Santa Claus. Or we treat him like a genie. If I just do X, Y, or Z for him, then I'll rub the lamp and he'll answer my prayers. He's not a genie in a lamp. He's not Santa Claus, he's not a genie, he is God, eternal, Lord, creator of all. We don't get to determine the terms of our relationship with him. He determines that. That's what Lord means. And therefore, we surrender to his word. Remember I said last week, the Jews missed Jesus when he came the first time because they had a different expectation. They thought that he was gonna come as a military conqueror and deliver them from their physical oppressors. And when he came as a humble baby, born in a manger, lived an obscure life as a carpenter's son, they thought that's not the Messiah, there's no way. And they rejected him because they had a different image of who he was. And they missed him and brought judgment on themselves such that in 70 AD, the Romans tore down the temple as judgment against their rejection of Christ. We got to be careful that we don't create an image of Jesus that is anything other than who he is in scripture. He is Lord. And if we want his peace and we want his blessing, we have to surrender to him for who he is, Lord God of all. Can I hear an amen to that? And sometimes, again, our lack of peace is because we're not surrendered to him. What is that area of your life that you go, yeah, it's not that big of a deal, right? God, you don't really care about that. And I'll just tuck that away. No one needs to know about that. I'm not saying that with any trying to bring any type of guilt, but because I care that don't let that one area rob you of the peace that Christ says he wants to be yours. Can I hear an amen? Lastly, when Jesus is Lord of our lives, we can trust in him to fulfill his promise. When he is Lord, we can trust him. When he is Lord, we can trust him that he's going to work these things out for our good. Whatever that circumstance is, Whatever that situation is, when we trust in him, we're walking with him as Lord, no matter how bad, we can trust in him. Look at what Isaiah 55 says, and I'll close with this. Seek the Lord while he may be, may, while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. I love that. He's not looking to judge. He's looking to show mercy. And to, and to our God, for he will freely pardon. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire, and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. We read in scripture these promises of peace, these promises of hope, these promises of provision. When we surrender to him as Lord, his word will fulfill what it was sent out to do. When he is Lord, when the wicked turn from their ways, when the unrighteous their thoughts, when we turn back to God, his word will be fulfilled. And I want to close with this. Dr. Brantley was asked, much later now, after he's recovered uh, from, his, from, his, uh, from Ebola, 
He was asked, how did your faith in Jesus help you to get through your darkest moments? And I wanna read to you this quote, and there's part of it up on screen. He said, the question was, how did your faith in Jesus help you get through these darkest moments? He replied, it was my faith in Jesus that put me in a place to where I got Ebola. (laughs) Think about that for just a moment. He was asked, how is your faith, faith helping you? Well, it was my faith that got me Ebola in the first place because I was following Jesus into Africa and then I got Ebola, but watch this. It was my faith in Jesus that put me in a place to where I got Ebola because I was trying to follow Jesus with my life, but it was that same faith in Jesus that brought me peace in the midst of anxiety and fear. And this is what he said. It wasn't a peace that takes away those feelings. It was a peace in spite of them. And the knowledge that whether I lived or died, nothing could separate me from the love of God. And that is what I needed. Facing my potential death, that was all I needed to stay faithful to God, to know that he was going to be faithful to me whether I lived or I died. That's biblical peace right there. When we know that no matter what happens to us, God is with us. He will not leave us nor forsake us and he will fulfill his purpose one way or another. Whether I live or I die, I trust in him. That's peace. And that's what he said, gave him the strength to continue on even while he was dying and suffering of the Ebola virus. How could he know that? How could he have that peace? Because he knew he was in the will of God. If I was walking in the will of God and I got Ebola, well, I guess, all right, you know, that's part of it then. And he's going to walk me through this one way or another. Sometimes we're walking in the will of God and we're going to walk right into a crisis. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. That's the peace that we can have in Jesus Christ. But as we close this morning, I want to I talk to t- two groups of people. Number one, the first, the first one is this. You kind of know you're not walking in the will of God right now. There's that sense that I'm not right with him. There's this area of my life, or maybe it's numerous areas of my life that are not right with God. I want to I encourage you, get right with him today. Because that area of sin is going to rob you of your peace. And it's going to rob you of the blessing of God. God's word It's true. A person reaps what they sow. If we sow into sin, we're going to reap the consequences of sin. The good news is when we turn to him, we receive mercy. Amen? If you know you're here today that you need to course correct, there are areas of your life that is off course, I want to invite you to make that adjustment today. And the second group of you, you know you've been doing your best to walk faithfully with him and you still find yourself in a difficult situation. Continue to be faithful. Continue to be faithful and to trust that God will never leave you or forsake you. Amen. Will you bow your heads with me as we close? First of all, to that first group, you know that there are areas of your life that are off course. That is not right with God. You know it's not pleasing to him that the Bible calls it sin. You need to get that right with him today. If you want his peace, if you want his presence and you want his blessing, you got to get that right with him today. With every head bowed, no one looking around. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will drop into our hearts in this moment. Shine a light. What is that area of our lives that is off course today? What is that area where we need to course correct? Maybe it's an area of blatant sin that we're walking in. Maybe it's lies that we tell places that we go, people that we see that we should not. Lord, maybe it's the words that we speak that we know are not pleasing to you. Whatever that area is, God, today, 
shine a light in all of our hearts. And if you're here or watching online and the Lord's highlighting certain areas of your life today, just in your heart, under your breath, I want to invite you to turn from those, to tell the Lord, God, I'm sorry that I've allowed these areas into my life. I'm sorry that I've allowed myself to do things, look at things, say things, whatever it is that are not pleasing to you. And God, this morning, I choose to turn away from these things and to turn to you as Lord, master of my life. Go ahead and do that for just a moment. Lord, thank you for being faithful and merciful to forgive and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And help us, God, now to move forward in faith, trusting you and following you as Lord of our lives. And I pray that you will pour out your peace that surpasses all understanding. As we get our lives right with you, that we could experience your joy and your peace flowing like a river today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For the second group of people, you're here today and you're saying, man, I've been walking with God. I've been doing my best. Not perfect. By the way, God doesn't expect perfection. We're going to mess up. And when we do, we try to get it right. But you're here today and you've been walking with God as faithfully as you can. And yet you find yourself in a difficult situation. I want to pray for you. One last time with every head bowed. You're here this morning and that's you. You've been trying to be as faithful as possible, but you find yourself in these difficult situations. Will you lift up your hands? I want to pray for you. Hands going up all over this room. Could be a relationship, could be health, could be finances, whatever it is. Holy Spirit, I pray for my brothers and sisters, myself as well this morning. God, that like Dr. Brantley, in the midst of his crisis, kept his eyes on you and was filled with hope and peace to persevere in the midst of it all. God, I pray right now that we would know deep down in our soul that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And that strength and that assurance will fuel our faith in the days ahead. That we can keep on walking, keep on being faithful even in these trials. And God, I do also pray that you would begin to orchestrate the situations behind the scenes. Begin to turn things and work in ways that only you can work to bring healing and reconciliation, restoration, provision, whatever it is that we need, God, I pray for breakthroughs to come. And Lord, I even pray that this year, before this year is over, we'll begin to see light shining through the darkness. We'll begin to see a light shining through the cracks and breakthrough beginning to happen, God. I declare that in faith this morning, that we'll begin to see breakthrough in these areas as we continue to walk with you. But God, help us not to give up. Help us to be faithful and full of peace and joy even as we walk through this. Help us to be like Dr. Brantley, to know that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Fill us with your peace this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, you can put your hands down. Amen.